0: concerns on that right now. We have a head coach that, you know, be quite frank, isn't going to be here for the next 15, 20 years uh, coaching the Buccaneers. So I think it was actually a perfect marriage. You've got two guys. that got something to
1: prove. Um, they want to win. They want to win now. Um, they've got the same mindset. And, you know, getting Tom here, quite frankly, started with uh, hiring Bruce last year. I don't know if that would have we would be in this Situation right now without Bruce Arians as our head coach. And they've they're they're kind of uh,
0: living parallel lives right now. They've got something to prove and they want to do it now.
1: Jason Light, Tampa Bay Buccaneers general manager talking about the head coaching quarterback combo. The question he was asked there was if the urgency could become crippling. Hey, they got to win now. There's always urgency to win. Quarterbacks get changed out, coaches get fired. There's always an urgency to win more. Maybe the four-win team doesn't have to get to 12, but they need to get to eight or nine and be in the playoff race, so deal with it, PK. Yeah,
2: I think if they only got to eight or nine and did not get in the playoffs, that'd be a disappointment. I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect marriage. Uh, Maybe you have a marriage that is doing well in the moment, but that doesn't necessarily make it perfect because perfect is perfect, and there's nothing short of perfection. And we thought Belichick and Brady might have had that. And it turns out, well, maybe not. So in the moment, you can get along great. I'll put it at that. And can they get along great? Yeah, if they win, sure. I like their chances. I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, that's only two aspects, the coach and the quarterback. And in football, in order to be great, I mean, you have to have a lot of different things. I suppose if you're really, really dominant in one aspect, like the Broncos when they won the World uh, Super Bowl, you can get by on that. But that's somewhat unusual. Normally there's some balance on your roster and and on both sides of the ball, and including the special teams. But Tampa Bay, that's what's going to make it interesting, and it's why I'm excited for the NFL season to start to see what these guys can do because of the fact that you just said they got to win and win now given the fact that Arians is pushing 70, and obviously Brady, he's breaking boundaries as far as age goes a starting quarterback.
1: New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft's Super Bowl championship ring that he put up for auction in the All-In Challenge. The sale closed. $1,025,000 Thursday night. In addition to the ring, the winner receives a personal visit with Kraft at his Gillette Stadium office in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The team will send the private plane for transportation if needed. got a million lying around. Put it on that ring. (laughs) Well...
2: That seems outrageous to uh, do that, but uh, obviously if you have that money, you can do that, and I think if you have that money, then you don't need a private plane. You probably already have one. Mm-hmm. Good
1: point. Ramstar Eric Donald says he wants to have fans in the stands at NFL games this fall. His quote, you need fans to play a game. I didn't see how you could play a game without no fans. I feel like that takes out the excitement and the fun out of the game. I feel like the fans is what pick you up. The fans is what makes the game exciting. The fans will give you that extra juice when you're tired and fatigued. When you make that big play and you 80,000 fans going crazy, that just pumps you up. All of which is true, but no guarantee there's going to be 80,000 there. Oh, I'd be shocked if there is 80,000. Despite his double
2: negative, I don't see how you can play a game without no fans. I mean, that's two words back to back. Come on. I do think there'll be some fans in there. I'm going to stand by that. They'll figure out some way because it seems like it's fairly easy if you're able to play to figure out a way. Now I don't know. My sister, you know, who has Cardinal season tickets was asking me about that very thing. I said, yeah, my guess is they'll have some in there. Why not? If you can. And it seems like, given the fact that they have these expansive stadiums, football's a little bit bigger in baseball. Well, baseball's certainly big enough. Even basketball for that matter is big enough, however you want to. Uh, separate the fans and put that distancing in there but i don't know how in the world they're going to do that she was asking me i said yeah i'm not sure but uh, maybe you can get the better games <laughs> so that would be fun but yeah I, I get his point but these are the circumstances and they're gonna have to live with them and it's better i said i think jim harbaugh said the other day uh, no fans is better than no game well, that makes sense
1: It does, and this is kind of the LeBron James take. I mean, we heard LeBron basically say this uh, in the early days, and now, you know, as the NBA tries to figure out how to do it, it looks like they're headed for Orlando, maybe Vegas, and doing it without fans. And it's not what you want, but if that's all you think you can pull off. If if they're going to play in the home stadiums, it just seems like there's a percentage of fans, no matter how small, that you know you could put in there. And then the question is how big can you grow that percentage safely while figuring out how to social distance and all that stuff when it comes to concessions and even if you keep the concessions closed, when it comes to restrooms, you know, and getting in and out of the stadium. But it'd well, be for those front office staffs to figure and
2: out. And think about it, aren't you when you go into these big stadiums? Aren't you a little kind of comfortable when you walk in to the urinals and they're one right next to each other and there's no barrier between
1: them? You always want a little social distancing there anyway, and they always right. pack packed in no matter what.
2: Right, and so and especially you get to these old ones, and it's like a big, long I the trough. It's a trough. Yeah, uh, and, and then, you know, you're standing next to Where do you look? What do you do? Straight ahead, Doug. Uh, th- straight well, yeah, but even ahead. still, you got peripheral vision. Are you, you going to be like a horse at the track,
1: you know, put blinders on? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not going to happen. The NFL is making plans to experiment in the 2020 preseason with new officiating positions that would be similar to a sky judge. Ravens and Chargers proposed creating a booth umpire and senior technology advisor for each game would have access to the video and the ability to make calls or communicate with the referee based on what they see. So not just going up there for replay, just have constant communication back and forth. I saw it from up here. All right, if you're going to do that, And I can see how ultimately it morphs into this. But if you're going to do this, it's got to be quick. It's got to be quick. Nobody wants the game slowed down. Literally no one went to the game and said, boy, I wish this would just slow down and there'd be more time between plays. So if you're going to do that, it's got to be quick.
2: No, but literally everyone has said, I wish they would have gotten that call right. So I can counteract that, what you need to do is you need to have about 20 drones and have 20 officials in the booth and just one guy down there, and they're all looking at these drones in high def, big screen. Forget Secaucus, have them right there at each game, and then they can just make it call. And then you have an open arena or open uh, press box, and so you have a weighted yellow flag, and then you chuck it
1: down. I like that. Yeah. I like the flag falling from the upper deck. And if it doesn't reach the field, well, that's just too bad. <laughs> it could be a motorized flag. Maybe it could be a drone itself. Let's put in rocks. It swoops down, lands on the bill of the cap of the referee.
2: Anywhere. It would be like you could, do what you would be doing. You put it anywhere out on the field. And so you'd be combining football with every single play, the possibility of an Easter egg hunt.
1: All right, rules. You always like new rules. Here's one for you. Momentum is growing for a proposal from the Eagles. Onside kick in the fourth quarter. Instead of what we're used to where you tee it up, and you try to dink it 10 yards, and then guys are crashing into each other. Instead, you put the ball at your own 25-yard line, and you have one play to gain 15 yards to retain possession. Basically, you're given a fourth and 15 at your own 25. And I assume that you would retain possession wherever. you know, if picked up 16 yards, you get it at the Correct. 41. Yeah. If you picked up 50 yards, you get it at their 25. More plays with quarterbacks, less plays that look like a rugby scrum. No, I want to put it at the one-yard line,
2: and you got to get four yards, and you can only run the ball. Who's tougher? I don't want Du Boise State some soft trick play stuff. I want mano-a-mano mono, the way it used to be on a frozen tundra. And if you pick up those four yards when they know you got to run the ball, then you get ten plays to do
0: what you want. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. So
1: Washington University in St. Louis... Uh, they've got a sports business program, and the director Patrick Riche says, Patrick Rich, Richer, uh, says that uh, the 65 Power five schools would collectively lose more than four billion dollars in football revenues if there's no football this year. Now 1.2 billion of that would be lost ticket revenue. Each Power Five school would see uh, at least an average loss of 62 million in football revenue, at least 18 and a half million in football ticket sales. And then there have been some reviews of his reviews that say actually those projected losses are conservative and don't include potential losses in media revenue, donations, conference distributions, and revenues from corporate partnerships. So if you're wondering, you know, the pressure, you hear about the pressure to play financially, well there's someone putting a number on it, and other people saying, yep, and that number's on the low end. Ah, that sounds good, but I would prefer someone from St. Louis University in Washington. We'll see what we can do.
0: Get are going to have to start a school. DJ and PK. Hashtag major. Hashtag NFL. Well, NBA.
1: Here we go. Memphis <laughs> basketball coach. This is really an NBA college basketball combo. Memphis basketball coach Penny Hardaway says recruiting will only get tougher with the entry of the G League in their pathway program. He said it's going to have a huge impact because it's just a recruiting war right now when it comes to that, but I think it's going to affect us because we're recruiting a bunch of five stars. When they took the money from a smaller level to a larger level, and that's fair, it's definitely more appealing to a certain group of guys as we saw this year. So is it a recruiting war, is it really just a recruiting adjustment? Five star guys are gone, so the schools that are getting five stars. are going to go get four stars, which means some other schools are going to have to go get three stars. Oh, are you really going to battle with the G League and land these big recruits? I mean, we said this is a recruiting battle. First thing I thought is, well, you're going to get boosters to pony up more cash. I mean, you got to cheat bigger and better. How is it a recruiting battle? That's first world problems right there. <laughs> You see Santa Barbara's in sweat in this decision.
2: <laughs> no, no. They were able – I mean, I don't know if you followed it, but you know, they were able to score the recruit Maxwell Cupcheck. He graduated last year. That's Mitch's son. He was a nice little role player for them. So that type of player is who they're going to get. You're right. They're gonna, Everything's going to be relative. So if the Blue Bloods, as they say, can't get a few – Well, then they just drop down the next, and then the next drop down, and so forth and so on. So there's a chain reaction, and it doesn't really make a difference. I just don't see where this is that big of a deal, because there's a couple of reasons. There's not that many five stars. I mean, you can go years without five stars, really. Maybe one or two. What have we had, three or four kids that said they were going to bypass? I mean, they've already been doing it to an extent. Uh, the couple of kids uh, went overseas. Uh, the one kid went to Hampton, I think, went down to New- uh, Australia. So it's already been happening to an extent. And then there's, two. there's a bunch of kids who want to play in front of thousands of people and be on television. And the G League can give you money, but it, it, oper- it toils in obscurity. And it's going to continue to toil in obscurity relative to... Uh, A Kentucky game or Syracuse game you know it doesn't mean they don't play good basketball and if you go out to the stadiums or arenas or whatever they have the gyms and you can have a good time and it's cheap and you can see some nice talent up close I'm all for it it's a nice night out particularly for people who can't afford a a, a, an NBA game to be that close anyway you know what I mean because if you can afford it uh, you're probably sitting up higher whereas you can go over to Salt Lake Community or whatever they might be playing that night and you can see it much more uh, uh, up close, and it can be a better environment. I get all that, but some kids are going to want to play where there's cheerleaders, and there's all sorts of media, and you're on television, and Dickie V is screaming your name, blah, blah, blah. So I don't really see where it's that universal of a big deal. It'll have some effect, but I think it'll balance it out and it'll wash out in the end.
1: It goes back to what Aaron Donald was saying that we were uh, talking about earlier in this segment. You know, he wants to play in front of 80,000 fans, and there are college players who are going to want to play you know, in front of a sellout crowd at, you know, Duke or Arizona or wherever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But well, maybe some people, kids. other people ahead. are going to say, where's the money, right? I mean, why go to Australia? If you're willing to go to Australia for the money, you might as well stay in the U.S. for the money. So you can see then if they keep antian up and the G League money gets bigger, that's going to be attractive to people.
2: Uh, but there's only going to be a few. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be widespread, and the reality is then, then the money under the table will just increase in college anyway.
1: Yes, so. and then the reality is at some point, the NBA has to go back to drafting 18-year-olds, and then guys can just go live the dream, have the crowd, and have the bigger money. So let's get on with that already. I agree on that one. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag Major League Baseball. I don't believe that they're going to agree to a revenue-sharing plan at all. In
3: fact, it's possible that Dave's baseball, after entertaining the idea, does not even bring it to the players because it receives such a strong and immediate poor reaction from them. I expect they will ask the players to take a pay cut, but through some other mechanism other than a 50-50 revenue split.
1: That's Ken Rosenthal talking about Major League Baseball and the negotiations with the Players Association, the MLB owners, we told you about a few days ago, they had a 67-page set of protocols. And the Players Association came back and asked for even more testing than originally proposed. In addition to addressing protections for high-risk players, access to pre- and post-game therapies, testing frequency, protocols for positive tests, in-state and medical personnel, and sanita- sanitization procedures. The devil, PK, is in the details. That cliche, alive and well, as baseball figures out how to pull this off.
2: I think that the sporting public is a couple of weeks from saying, screw you, not going to get involved in all this stuff. Too much going on in real life to be worried about whether these guys are going to hammer out some agreement to play a game that uh, 10-year-olds play. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. The world will go on without you. The world will always go on without whomever, and so if it gets bogged down in details, and ultimately it will come down to money, and so all these other things that they're going to claim that those are super important, but as long as the cash is there, those other things that are super important, yeah, well, we can work them out.
1: The only thing that is the end of the world is actually the end of the world. What is Trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up next, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joins us. Uh, David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, will be here at 830. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's
0: go! The big show! It's a big- with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott.
1: Sam Amick from The Athletic. Looks like they're headed for uh, sunny
3: Florida, right? Yeah, most likely. I mean, Orlando's definitely the front runner in this thing. Seems to be on track to get the bid. They seem to be honing in on a one-city format as opposed to splitting it up. It does appear that the league's preference, for sure, is to do Orlando. It's a more controlled environment. It's private property where you can create kind of a medical bubble without having it necessarily feel like a medical bubble, and maybe let people have a little bit of freedom without risking their health. So a lot for the league to get through here, but that's certainly the direction it seems to
0: be going. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Summer starts this weekend. In addition to whistling on the radio, what are you going to do? Corey says the whole thing is a non-starter. Corey, what a cold bucket of water. Social summer is Memorial Day weekend until Labor Day. Yeah, that's what he's saying. No. No, you got that wrong. Oh, I do. You're right. Thank goodness you were here and you stopped whistling. Social summer (laughs) is Memorial Day. (laughs) That tells you how blown out of the water my summer plans are. How did I not even know it was Memorial Day weekend coming up? Well, (laughs) normally I'd have something planned. There'd be a trip. I'd be counting down the days to a vacation, but I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to tell you, every Friday
2: before Memorial Day, after we do what's trending, it's been a fact for 18 years. When we come back, I'm so happy I'm whistling. So that was (laughs) the key.
1: You should have known. (laughs) Here's Jason. Corey, my apologies. You're a lukewarm bucket of water. The cold bucket of water is Jason. First official day of summer is June 21. It's still a month away.
2: No, 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 no,
1: no, no. That's not the way
2: summer works. I I realize the equinox and all that stuff, whatever that means, I
1: don't know. Summer solstice, PK. Equinox would be a good name for a a horse, wouldn't it? Down the stretch they come. Equinox by a length. Yeah, I think so.
2: Uh, I think that's what they used to call my gluteus maximus when I was in high school. (laughs) Okay. Equinox is walking through that door. That was something that would come through that door. Uh, But we summer traditionally, irregardless of some moon and the ocean and whatever, it is about the calendar. And it's the whatever, depending on how many days, 100 days approximately, from Memorial to Labor. And I'm always happy when Memorial's here, and then I'm a little sad when Labor's here. Because that's the traditional summer period. It's funny, you know, depending on where you live. When I was growing up in Phoenix, it was like, man, I was sad on when Memorial yeah. will come. Because everything is reversed. I was talking to my sister, as I said the other day. We we're talking about movies. And you know when the, when the theater is open to the general public, uh, my, my sister's a pretty good moviegoer. And uh, she was talking about, yeah, I look forward. I said, oh, me too, man. I'm going to get a biggest butt, a bucket of popcorn and just slather it up with uh, butter. And she says, yeah, yeah, especially now. The movie season is coming. And I'm saying, well, what do you mean it's coming? Yeah, it took me a second. I had to realize Well, down in Arizona in the Phoenix area, the movie season is more so in the summer because you want to be inside, whereas here it's reversed. For me, I always like going to movies in the winter when it's colder because in the summer I want to be outside. So there it's a little bit reversed because of the weather. So for them, movie season is coming. For us, to me, outdoor season is upon us. And it starts on, well, this weekend, Memorial Day. And I was watching Sterling last night, and he was saying it's supposed to be a beautiful day.
1: So I'm really looking forward to it. Eric says, I'm going to celebrate by not watching pro sports on TV or in person. Eric's trying to be funny.
2: Well, Eric, the only person who thinks you're funny is your wife. Other than that, nobody else thinks you're funny.
1: Roy says, camping, duh. Headed off. The great outdoors. I'm not a camper, but if that's what you want to do, great.
2: I love it. The only thing that really bugs me is that when I go up to Wasatch to golf, and I like that, my wife, that's her favorite course, so we try to go up there as much as possible. Well, there's a campsite right there, and there's a little fishing pond lake deal, and that's great for the kids. But the thing that bugs me is people, well, since we're here, oh, what do you think, Marge? Uh, yeah, let's go golfing. Okay, Harriet, let's go. Um, what do you think, uh, some old-time name? Uh, William? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, we can fixin' to do that. And they go out there, and it's, they do it one time a year, and they have no idea what they're doing, and they have no idea that you've just increased my time on the course up by an hour. Stay the hell off the golf course. Camp. Don't golf. You don't belong out there. Get out.
1: Summer seems like so much fun right now. <laughs> DJ PK and David Locke joins us now. His weekly interview brought to you by Murdoch Chevrolet. During the month of May, get 0% APR for 84 months. No payments for 120 days or until January of 2021. That's on the 2020 Silverado, the 2020 Trax models, or, wait for it, the 2020 Equinox. See, it all comes full circle. Go see the guys at Murdoch Chevrolet and Woods Cross or Logan. David, good morning. Good morning. How did that come full circle? Oh, we were discussing equinoxes earlier in the segment. Oh.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Do you believe summer starts on June 21 because of the equinox or whatever? Or do you believe summer starts on Memorial Day weekend?
3: I think summer starts sometime in July. No. uh, I don't know. I've never. This is not a thought I've ever had for one moment in my life.
1: Summer starts when the kids are out of school, which here is
3: roughly Memorial Day. Right, that's what I was going to say. So, or they've been out of school for months. So, David, did your the, son like graduate from Georgetown uh, virtually?
0: Yeah. Oh, that sucks.
3: Yep. But that's the way it is. <laughs> Jeez, wait, wait, wait a second here.
2: Uh, again, first world problems. Your kid graduated <laughs> from Georgetown virtually, and that
1: sucks. Oh
0: my god, it gosh. does. I totally. It's I don't. High on the list.
1: I don't think that he's as down about that. I don't think he was looking forward to that as much as um, he just thought the whole last semester online was weird and not really the college experience, and they shouldn't have been paying no, for the price for that. Like but, it's
3: you've worked, you've worked a long time for that and it's a great
1: accomplishment. It's a big deal. It's a big passage into the world and all sorts. No, it's terrible. Well, he's on to getting a job now. So rearview mirror stuff. Yeah. David, we have actual basketball to talk to you about, and I couldn't be we more do. thrilled about it. Let's assume the NBA restarts the season. How do the Jazz compensate for the fact that a guy who shot a bunch of three pointers, good for six, seven, eight a night, and averaged about twenty points a game, how do they uh, compensate for the fact that Bogdanovich has had the wrist surgery and isn't going to play?
3: Well I mean I think it's big um from on the basketball end of things that you had a you know he's shooting forty one percent from three with a torn ligament in his wrist it's pretty impressive um he's uh he's the you know he's the piece that spread the floor he we used him a lot in the pick and roll uh so that's it's a massive piece um I thought the jazz had a advantage when the season started that shooting was going to be way behind everyone's shooting was going to be off and so if you were a good shooting team i think that actually became even more important and so there was a there was a chance coming into this the jazz would have been at a considerable advantage now there's also an argument that jazz are slow to start and they have to restart and so it could be really tough um but that so i think they've lost you know their primary advantage if the jazz are going to in the playoffs and beat people they're going to out shoot you know it's like, it's very different than what we're used to we're used to out and now we're going to have to outshoot shoot people um, but and so we've lost the those shooters so it's a really significant injury I think you will you know start Royce O'Neal Joe Ingles with Donovan and Mike um, and then George Niang uh, his, his minutes significantly you'll probably run a Clarkson court with uh with with Joe and Donovan and um Mike and I think actually Clarkson's role becomes bigger because we haven't been great if my memory's correct when we have all three of our point guards on the floor at the same time and Joe Donovan and Mike and so you probably have to play Clarkson some in there he's probably got to change his role a little bit um on the other end you need to score so uh, it'll be when we're short a piece there. You know, that's we We're probably going to play at least nine, and maybe even maybe even you're playing ten or eleven. The guys have been off for a while. Joe Ingles had brought up Moutier too. Do you see Moutier having an increased role? Yeah, I think think it would be a guy that takes you know, some of those minutes, and then I I don't know you know what his, his you know whether he'd really be ready, but Jawan Morgan. Is a player that probably could sneak in and, and get a few minutes in there, um, depending where he is right now.
1: Have it, other NBA teams has been under the radar of other NBA teams lost guys because this is not an uncommon thing where a guy tries to play through something and then decides to have summer surgery so we're kind of getting to that timeline and if guys want summer surgery for next season they need to get it done have there been other under the radar stuff or is Bogdanovich really one of a kind yeah I I haven't
3: heard it but you're absolutely right David the minute it came out I was like oh this makes total sense in in that um, you know you're right your timeline if you want there's a lot of guys in the league they're playing with something that they know they're going to have to have surgery on at the end of the year right Um, that's part of the league you're just fighting through it and so there's a I think in, in that sense, there's there has to be more guys that are um, doing that and that are in that situation. I just, um, you know, I haven't heard it, so I, I assume it hasn't taken place.
2: Do you think that uh, we might see more injuries? Because this is an unprecedented situation where they've been off without the access to
3: whatever they've had all these years this long. I do think so, though. It sounds like, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but... Um, I'm using the idea that anything you hear out of the NHL, you can also hear out of the NBA. We really mirror each other right now, and so you're begin- like the NHL. I've heard is bringing their players back on June 1st and into their marketplaces when- where they can, um, and so that they'll do group workouts from June 1 until June 15th, and then they'll do so. And when I say group workouts, a group of three or four of them will work out together. Um, on the ice, and then um, another group of three or four will work out, and the way I understood the NHL is going to do it is that they those groups stay together for that period of time to reduce contacts um, and then and then they'll start skating as a team June 15th. Well, if we 're not starting until July 15th or so, that's six weeks, so that's actually a pretty good ramp up period of time, so certainly there is a chance for more injury, and it's unique, and you have players doing things during a time period in their body that they have not done it before um, calendar-wise. But th- if they actually have six weeks to ramp up, that's a pretty good amount.
1: So is that the timeline you're buying now? You think it's going to be mid-July, and that's the way it's going to happen? feels
3: like it. I mean, it's kind of felt that way the whole time. And then you had the Milwaukee Bucks owner the other day coming out and saying, what, we'll have basketball in six to eight weeks. Is that what he said? Um You know, so it does feel that way. I mean, there's just been so many pieces. There was the Sinclair CEO on the investment call saying he expected both the NHL and the NBA to fulfill their minimum requirements of games. So that told you that the NHL would play enough of those extended playoff games that they seem to be playing with their 2014 bubble and that the NBA would play regular season games. Now, whether that turns out to be true or not, that was his comment. Um, And we're just, you know, now you have the owner of the box saying he expects, I think he said six to eight weeks. Um, he might have said four to six weeks, but I think he said six to eight. So six to eight takes you right into the middle of July. Um, those seem to line up. Then um, I've talked about this a lot, but if you assume we're not starting the 2021 season until late December, middle or late December, then you can back time this out. and You end up with training camp, you know, the Monday after Thanksgiving. And then that gives you to late September to play. Um, you know our playoffs usually take us two months to finish, but if everyone's in the same location and we're not doing the silly stuff in the first round where you know you play Monday and you don't play again till Thursday and then you play Saturday and you don't play again till Wednesday in the first round and the, I think you can suddenly get a seven game series done with you know if I don't know how they're gonna do the bubble if it's all going to be Orlando or if it's gonna be half Orlando and half vegas, but if you you know just really easily you can. Once the playoff starts, it's not hard to get four games in in a day, so you just have four games in every day, and you just are playing every other day, and if at some point you need to play every day, you do it, but then you shorten, and the NBA Finals can get shortened down. So it's pretty easy to put a playoff, full seven-game playoff series from eight weeks to six weeks, and then you're in the late September. So it just, it's you know, just move puzzle pieces together as we have all played, done with plenty of jigsaw puzzles over the last month or so, um, and they and it lines up.
2: I mean, you talk about that, the, the, the condensed version. I'm wondering if that would lead to better basketball because you hear players say they
3: like that every other day routine. I've talked to numerous strength and conditioning, you know, director, you know, player science or whatever these positions are we refer to them now. And the optimum uh, performance is that you get to your performance peak and you stay there, and the best way to stay there is every other day. So you're absolutely right.
1: So the uh, schedule is set. The Jazz rotation is largely set. Do they just uh, just do this build-up and kind of scrimmage each other, and and uh, Quinn uses that to kind of figure out the rotations. And then, and then yeah, maybe those so, handful of regular
3: got, season games to figure yeah, out. Yeah, you also you know we have to monitor and make sure that there isn't some you know some, some we didn't see it the first time, but that we don't have some rash of outbreak and 12 players on a team get COVID or something of that sort. Um, you know, you, you're going to give yourself enough ramp up time both to get the players ready, but also to have some scenarios take place to make sure that if there's something wrong with what we're doing, that we know it. Do you
2: think under this circumstance that once these these guys who are free agents or even in the off season, do you think that because of this crazy situation that it might uh, increase the number of moves in the offseason or decrease or have
3: no effect it's a really good question um, well I think the lack of money will have a considerable effect so that would be the first thing I would say um, the second part of it is um, so that that's part one um, part two is the I think it just going to affect every player in their own right. Like, you know, like maybe you're going to take a few million less to stay somewhere close to where you live. I, I don't know. Like, this is impacting every person in their own manner. So I, what, I don't know. What do you think, PK?
2: I think that would have an impact in what you're going on. I like this last, light, last train of thought that you have. It may change the thinking a little bit to be – more conservative in that way rather than be bold and entertain possibilities that normally you wouldn't enter- entertain because if you have a good thing and things are set up, maybe it's best that you stay and it's not just uh, put yourself out to the highest bidder. And then as far as the teams go, I'm wondering, you know, they might be a little more bit conservative because the thing didn't – however it plays out, it doesn't play out the way it traditionally plays out. So maybe that might uh, – Indicate like like a, a player like Emmanuel Moutier, I'm just wondering how that would affect his market, and you know he's played well when he's gotten the opportunity, and that, that maybe that they would say, well, let's do this again and have a real season, or, you know, a, a more normal season, and then make the decisions. That would be my thought.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the the issue is on the Moutier, um You know, both. Both the jazz money will be less than they had planned available because there's such a you know I don't know what the number is going to turn out to be, but if the league had doesn't play, I think it's a 33% drop in revenue. Yeah, I think it's from like 96 million to 62 million, like that. Um, so if, if you lose that, then you know Moutier's kind just has no market, right? Everyone else has like being a free agent is a death nail. Um, so in that case, you're likely to be attacked because there's not a there's not a market for them. um, You know, I like Jordan Clarkson, who has some money coming to him. That could get really interesting. Now, it was going to be hard anyway before all this happened because the only teams with money were not very good, and so you had poor teams with money. And does he want to go to a poor team? Does a poor team want a player like Jordan Clarkson? And so that would have been, you know, that's the difficulty for him in the marketplace. Now you have four teams and not a lot of money and the good
1: teams very different you, you broke up right there say your point about good teams in Clarkson oh good teams but
3: maybe it's a luxury tax
1: well, you broke up again but I think it's luxury tax is going to limit good teams from adding guys unless he wants to go somewhere from the minimum which would sound like a big pay cut
3: right Yep, you got
1: me. Okay. We've known
3: each other long enough. You know what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I see where you're going with that. I see where you're going. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll put the countdown down for six to eight weeks and see what uh, mid-July brings and if the uh, if the NBA is indeed, as you think, following the NHL and kind of restarting in the same way at the same time. I did not hear that from the Sinclair. They, they bought a bunch of those regional sports networks. Right. So they're hip-deep in the middle of all of that now. Yep. So that's interesting. I don't
3: know if you I don't know if you have any relationship with Sinclair.
1: I do, but the the sports regionals are the cousins. So we don't. It's not like we get a bunch of emails and know what's going on or anything. Right. So, so uh, yeah, he said that about two weeks ago on their in, uh, investment call. Okay, there it is. Well, David, thanks for a few minutes, and uh, enjoy the start of summer. Okay, see it, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And our, our weekly chat with him is brought to you by Murdoch Chevrolet and Murdoch Hyundai. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, will be here at 830. What are you watching? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
3: TV wants live sports. They are desperate for live sports. We're watching the KBO for crying out loud. It's still on ESPN. You can catch the KBO twice a day.
2: I tried. I couldn't do it. I could do it for the first couple days, but there's just nothing to really It's
0: like when you really try to do a crash diet and you're looking at that plate of kale and you're like, I'm not quite hungry enough for that yet.
3: But if I put ranch and bacon on it.
0: Then we got a chance. And put it on a burger. Yeah. And then remove the (laughs) kale. <laughs> as you ate the burger. <laughs> then we got something.
3: How did you sneak on there?
0: Hanson and Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. little extra time on your hands it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time what did you watch last night with dj and pk on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network too much time on my hands too much time on my
1: DJPK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. What were you watching last night? PK, I was uh, looking at some stuff on YouTube, and if you click on one thing and then click on another, you know, YouTube will start suggesting stuff. And I've looked for enough sports stuff over time that it always suggests sports stuff for me. And I found a not very good clip. It, it got suggested, and I clicked on it. 1975 NBA Playoffs. Phil Johnson coaching the Kansas City Omaha Kings. Dick Mata, two guys with Utah Connections right there. Dick Mata coaching the Chicago Bulls and Jerry Sloan playing. Jerry West was the analyst on the broadcast, and they had like a big chunk of the pregame show there, and West was looking remarkably uncomfortable. And you watched it on YouTube? Yeah, it was on YouTube. I watched about uh, five minutes of it. You can just kind of skim through it so there you go Bulls ended up winning the series and then losing in the conference finals to the Warriors who won it all so I watched a little bit of that that was pretty funny it was a completely different era completely everything about it was different
2: what'd you watch? Well, the the Pac-12 did a little thing. They're trying to come up with programming. And it was uh, a virtual meeting that the uh, new coordinator for the Sun Devils was having. They put out a press release. So I thought I'd check it out. It was about a half hour. So it shows uh, Zach Hill, a guy coming down from Boise, who's going to take over and be their offensive coordinator for this next season. And so it just showed him uh, meeting with the offensive guys. And so you look at his computer – and it's got probably, um, I mean, 20, 25 guys. And, you know, you see their little boxes of their faces because they're doing the Zoom thing. And Herm Edwards does a little thing where he says hello to them. And, and then he, the quarterback uh, coach slash coordinator, Hill, starts doing, They basically they filmed what he was doing And then you had Yogi Roth, who Yogi is Mr. Pac-12. I've decided nobody knows anything more about the Pac-12 than Yogi Roth. This guy is an encyclopedia of Pac-12 football knowledge for sure. And so he's there, and he's uh, exclusive access. It wasn't that big of a deal, honestly. It's not like they revealed anything that was really super interesting. But I give the Pac-12 network the uh, credit for trying to come up with stuff. So I did watch that. And I probably wouldn't have watched it unless it was Utah or uh, ASU. And I didn't really learn anything. But it was just about something that was different. Then I flicked over, and it got me to think. I watched the – they did the national title game of Clemson and Alabama. Nah, when I saw
1: Sean,
2: that, yeah. Sean Watson was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking. You know, one of the things that the Pac-12 has been able to do back when it was the Pac-10 is they had decent quarterbacks. And didn't have – necessarily have to have great teams, but they had quarterbacks and guys who've gone in the NFL. You know, they may not have been great NFL guys. I'm thinking of Stanford. You know, Elway obviously was a Hall of Fame all-time great NFL guy. He didn't play on a great Stanford team, any of the teams. He never went to a bowl game during his time at Stanford. Uh, But they had guys that, like, a guy like a Steve Stentrum or a Trent Edwards, Kevin Hogan here more recently, Sean uh, Mannion here for Oregon State. We're not on great teams, but the quarterbacks played in the NFL. And, and as I say, they may not even be starters, but they went to the NFL. And the thing that got me thinking is now I'm starting to see these traditional powerhouses. And but Clemson's not a traditional, but it's certainly a recent powerhouse. If these teams get NFL quarterbacks, then there's really no hope for the rest of the schools because they're already getting the great interior linemen, the great linebackers, slew of receivers, slew of defensive backs. But if programs like Clemson, Alabama, LSU, if they're going to get the top-level quarterbacks, then the rest of us have no hope because if you're going to go from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, well, you're already doing all that other stuff, that you got premier talent, right? Now if you put that position in there, because largely these teams even throwing Ohio State, yeah, well. they've been winning without big-time quarterbacks. But if you're going to get a borough down at LSU, combined with all the other studs that they have, well, what are you going to see? You're going to see 15-0, and and you're going to see complete dominance. And that really leaves out uh, programs like the Pac-12 to compete at an
1: The highest national level. You follow what I'm saying? Quarterbacks for a long time were the equalizer for the Pac-12. If the whole team wasn't as good, their quarterback was better than your quarterback. And there was a whole era where they dominated the Rose Bowl for about 20 years in the 70s and 80s based on that exact theory you're talking about. And it's kind of what happened. There were a handful of schools that started throwing the ball first. ASU, San Diego State, BYU, Stanford, way in front of the cutting edge. But then The whole West got good at it. And when the rest of the country tried, and Troy Aikman is a great example. You brought up how a couple days ago you were talking about how he was at Oklahoma and they were going to commit to the passing game. And this is the start of the trend you're talking about, where a traditional power who had always minimized the quarterback position decided to go all in on a guy who was obviously elite, right? He's going to go on and win three Super Bowls and then step into the broadcast booth for a couple decades. But then they got midway through it, and they just couldn't commit to it. And they went back to the option, he transferred to UCLA, where to the West, where they were comfortable putting the game in the hands of the quarterback. And now that Alabama seems to be embracing it, they were kind of like the last holdout. Ohio State, remember the year they had the big year and they had to play three different quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean— they just went right down the line. They plug in number two. They plug in number three. They keep going. They keep putting up stats. They keep scoring. So I think we're already there at the elite level. I think the last bridge that has to be crossed here that gives everybody hope is that identifying really good quarterbacks is hard to do. Now, how much longer are we going to see the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world at a max school? Is everyone going to get so good at identifying quarterbacks? You'll still have Bus, but is. If all the big schools bring in a guy every year, is there a way for someone like Roethlisberger to slip to a Mack school? Or to slip to a Mountain West school? Yeah, with Josh Allen. Because I've seen it with San Diego State. Josh Allen, yes. You can look at San Diego State. For a while, they had NFL quarterbacks when I was a kid. And then when I started in broadcasting, they weren't getting NFL quarterbacks, but they had pretty good college quarterbacks. And now... I mean, I thought they were going to get Jack Sears, and they didn't. They had him for half a minute. But now their quarterbacks are largely just guys. Just I mean, they're, they're, they committed to the run game for the last decade. They're not getting anything close to elite quarterbacks. It can be painful to watch the passing game. And over time, they just they may not have any choice. Maybe all the, you know, they, they couldn't even get a guy like Alex Smith, or, nor did they try hard enough, um, but he ends up at Utah. You know, maybe with Roethlisberger, another guy to throw into that is, you know, an Alex Smith level quarterback. Will he end up at a Mountain West school or the Power Fives going through so many quarterbacks? Didn't ASU recruit like three of them? One of them is an athlete.
2: Last year? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: One's already taken off. And so when you have that many, if every Power Five school attacks it like that, and if the big dogs are totally committed to it. So, you're going to lose 100, 150 of the top quarterback prospects every year. You know, how is Utah State supposed to do it? Now, they got Jordan Love as a first round pick. You know, and he won him some games, and I also threw some picks, and so that was kind of unusual. But how, many time, how often is a Wyoming or a Utah State or a San Diego State going to get an elite quarterback? It's, it looks like Boise State can do it. They've elevated themselves to another level. So, they get a guy, and then they, they get Bachmeyer, and then they get Sears as a transfer. So maybe they've been able to overcome it. But to your point, and I guess it's a little bit like we were talking about with the G League earlier this hour. You know, you don't get the five-star guys, so you take the four. You don't get the four, so you take the three. If the top programs are committed, does everybody have to bump down in who they who they want? Maybe that's where the transfers come in. You know, the Utes have that they, they do not have a history of awesome quarterback play. It's a spotty history. <laughs> Occasionally there's a guy. But now... They have been, you know, four-star guys, but are any of them going to play at a really high level? I mean, it's one thing to be a four-star guy. It's another thing to come in and play at a high level. But I think the more four-star guys you put in your program, eventually one of them gets the job and plays at a high level. Now, the first one, transferred. They got a second one committed, and they got two more guys who are transfers who are battling for the job now. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the way you have to do it. Wait for a guy to go to Texas and then come to you.
2: Well, it doesn't matter how you do it because you look at Ohio State and uh, LSU and both of those guys were transfers uh, from other places. And so uh, as long as you get them, and, yeah, I think that transfer market's a whole different story. But I do think there will be quarterbacks available because it is a difficult position to evaluate. And so guys will be so-called fall, fall through the tr- cracks. But, and that, that's all well and good. But if you're trying to win a national title, You've got to have Lawrence. Or or Taga Malala. And if they're going to get those guys, because historically they didn't get those guys, they got average dudes. I mean, who was the quarterback that Utah played in the Sugar Bowl? Average dude. Yeah. And and then if you get behind, and then it's harder for them to catch up. Well, now you look at – Alabama getting behind in the national title game, will you throw in a future first-round pick who probably would have been the number one pick if he hadn't gotten injured, and what does he do? He rescues them, and they win the game. So if these elite schools that are already cleaning up on all these other positions and having a massive amount of guys going to the NFL, if they're going to get the quarterbacks on top of that, then there's no stopping them, and everybody else is playing for a New Year's Day Six Bowl at best, Maybe you can squeak into a playoff if thing breaks your way, but you're going to get pulverized in the first game anyway. So uh, that's the way I look at it. And it just spells really doom for teams trying to compete at a national level because you used to count on Alabama, the Alabamas of the world, and Ohio States of the world, and even LSU for a good while, of not having a top-flight quarterback. It was basically some journeyman dude. (laughs) Now if he's going to be a first-round draft choice,
1: there's no chance for the rest of us. I had to look it up because I honestly could not remember Alabama's quarterback. I've watched so many Alabama football games now. They've been so good for so long. It's all a blur. John Parker Wilson, 18 of 30 for 177 yards. Does anything scream more average? Now, to his credit, he was running for his life because Utah's pass rush really got it going in that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he had some big-time receivers. I think he had Julio he Jones did, there. And he missed him on a deep ball. Right, because they're not – but now, yeah. if you're going to get the first-round draft choices, they're not missing them on the deep balls. Nope.
1: Tongue of my And so you're going to
2: throw yeah. it to Omari Cooper, and he's going to score a touchdown. And you're gonna win the game. Right? They're going to win the game. Yes. And, the, and they've already – they're stacked everywhere else. And it just – it bodes trouble for whatever schools, even Big 12 schools. And we've seen that with Oklahoma. You know, they get in there, and then they get worked.
1: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. David Nixon's coming up at 8.30. Stay with us.